Shut up and sit down. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to my very irregular podcast. My name is Sharon Ferns, and I write at my blog, Dom Chronicles, which is www.domdomme-chronicles.com. We have, of course, a whole bunch of questions that have come to me via my Ask Me page on um, my blog, and I have just invited my lovely Twitter folks to add any questions if they want to ask me anything to include in this podcast. So we'll see what comes out of that. I normally record this at a time when not a lot of people are awake over there on Twitter land, so I'm not sure how many are going to come in through there. Let's get straight to it, shall we? The first one. Hi, Sharon! Exclamation mark. My husband and I, I'm female, started in the BDSM life less than a year. We aren't active in the community yet. I'm having trouble creating scenes and having new things as often as I can so we don't get bored with the same kinks. Do you have any ideas yourself of where and how to get more scene ideas? Any other information for a new femdom, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Hello, new femdom. I do, as it happens, have something very helpful to you. And one would think I made this question up to pimp my book, (laughs) but I did not. I have written a book. It's called How to Make Your First BDSM Scene Amazing. It is very well reviewed um, and I've gotten some very good feedback from new female dominance on it and in fact from at least one male dominant as well, since it's relatively gender neutral information. So any non-binary folks, it's applicable to you as well. Um, You can find it on Amazon. You can search for Sharon Ferns and you'll find my books or you can search for How to Femdom, which should bring up that book also. It's got a gorgeous little pink cover and a very cute cartoon from the fabulous Submissive Guy comics on the front. Um, If you do not want to invest, if my sales pitch isn't good enough, um, a free thing you can do is um, find that post on my blog where I did a sort of a very brief summary of what's in the book to give you some high-level ideas. And I've linked you there to a BDSM checklist, which is essentially 200-odd activities, kink activities that you may or may not want to do. And the idea is that you fill it in, your partner fills it in, and then you as the dominant have a look through them and find ones where you are both super keen to try something Pick the ones that make you feel confident and awesome and excited and hot. And then you start there. There are many, many BDSM checklists out on the internet. So if you don't like mine, you can go and find another one because there's a heap out there. Best of luck. Oh, this is a long one. Are we ready? Settle in, folks. Settle in, grab a drink. I have a drink, by the way. I tend to mention my drinks in my podcast, like some alcoholic lush. It is a um, little cheapy quaffing champagne today because my champagne boy, yes, I have a champagne boy, has... um, not organized. He's left me with a gap here of good champagne. So I don't know what's going on with him. Gonna have to have a little word, I think. Right, we ready? Hi, Miss Fern. And there are four exclamation marks. Hello. A little bit about me. I am a lifetime submissive. I have always sought out women I thought would enjoy a fantastic DS relationship with me. I did it for 20 years and never really made the connection until I met Miss Jen in the gym. We made eye contact and would flirt with each other the first few times. She would be training clients and I would walk up and do my awesome pull-ups in front of her. Ooh, pull-ups 
are awesome. Slow, controlled pull-ups. If somebody is, if some dude, I'm not going to say somebody, but it's, it's actually true. If anybody is doing them at the gym, I'm going to maneuver myself so I can watch that shit because it is glorious. She would reciprocate with this beautiful smile, which would captivate me. She got my number from the front girls at the health club. Later that night, I received a text from a number I wasn't familiar with. It was one of her dumb jokes. I sat stunned for a minute, but then she said, it's me, Jen, from the gym. I was so happy. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue. It gets a little bit porny here. I need some porn music in a minute. We instantly hit it off, and before long, I, star- I steered bit of a typo there I steered the conversation slightly towards kink just to gauge her reaction and she was down for sure she listened to my likes and dislikes and had none for herself as I was her first she seemed very excited later that night (laughs) we were having sex great sex as it always is in the beginning and she said something I had dreamed of hearing from my partner for a long long time probably dreamt of it since my teens she said, very bluntly, I may add, <laughs> the typos, are you one-handed typing here? I'm a bit suspicious. It says, like my ass, but I know he meant lick my ass. <laughs> she said, look, I'm spoiling the whole porn vibe here, aren't I? She said, very bluntly, I may add, lick my ass and make me come." I was in shock. I felt like I died and went to heaven. I think I birthed a femdom monster and I couldn't be happier. This doesn't happen to me ever. Anyway, to make a long story short, we've been together for 10 plus years now and the sex and boundary pushing have made us a very open, experienced couple. This is a happy femdom story. Thank you very much. Our relationship is normal at times and wild capital W-I-L-D, at times. We like to save the crazy sessions for once a month because I'm quite spent after serving Miss Jen. Our imagination makes our sessions over the top. I'm always aware it's her doing what she's doing to me, but at times she likes to imagine me bound and helpless, as I usually am, blindfolded and gagged. Then she sets up her scenario, whatever she's feeling. She verbalises her fantasy as it's happening, and I can see it in my brain. Rather hard to explain, but it makes our sessions intense, all caps, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. We've been married over 10 years now and made it work. There's always a portion of DS in all aspects of our lives, except my work. She's never made me wear my cage to work. I work in law enforcement, although the threat is always there if I screw up. I feel like we are lucky. We have a huge following on FetLife, or she does, LOL. I'm just the victim in the pictures. We adore each other and I want to spend every waking day with her. I've been with and experienced many dominoes. You're spelling, my dear. I've been with and experienced many doms in the past, but there was always something missing. Ms. Jan has it all and I am blessed living out of fantasy. My question, oh, here we go. My question is more of a statement to the thousands of guys trying so hard to find a dom. I say, relax, be you, be observant, be kind and considerate. Make her feel like she's the only woman alive to you. Have a job you enjoy, find a hobby you love and share your passion about it with her. I want to keep writing because I've never really shared like this and there is so much to tell. I turned my wife slash my mistress onto your awesome podcast and I hope she writes in. Her fet, oh my goodness, the spelling. Dear, oh dear, you need your mistress to get onto you about this. I hope she writes in. Her fet profile is full of fans who would gladly drag her minions over to your blog and podcast. Keep up the fantastic work, Ms. Ferns, all in caps with four exclamation marks. You provide a well-needed, sane service to countless people searching for answers. Have a beautiful weekend in your portion of the world. Always XOXO dog, as my mistress refers to me.
There wasn't really a question in there at all, but that's okay. Sharing happy stories is always wonderful. You got lucky and I'm so, so delighted that you got lucky. And thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with my podcast listeners. Um, I think hopeful stories to me, which is why I have two um, happy femdom stories volumes out there in the world. I think hopeful, happy stories from people who are in femdom relationships are always wonderful to hear, but because I think it can be hard. I mean, I don't think. I know it's hard to find a partner who is compatible in all the ways and to make it work over time. And I think happy stories are always, always something that gives people hope, and I love them so much. If anyone has a happy femdom story for me, I have a call out on my blog that is always, always open because if you have a happy femdom story, I really, really want to share it. And if you're willing to tell me about it, go to my blog and look up happy femdom stories. You'll find examples and you'll find my call out. And please come and send me yours. I'd love to hear it. Oh, this is not a question either. Mistress, this one seeks to communicate with mistress. If it pleases mistress... There's an email address in there. Thank you, mistress. If you had... um, I I don't really know what to do with these because, uh, you know, uh, this person has obviously found my blog, has read something on my blog, maybe, possibly, has not read enough to understand the kind of person that I am, has just gone, ooh mistressy lady type person on the internet I will send an email it's a bad intro for many many reasons and I haven't answered this via email even though they gave me the email address I read it and I skipped over it and I moved on and my advice to anybody any submissive man who contacts a woman on the internet is not to do this because there's no there's no it's a generic form letter that someone will scattergun to everybody and even if it's not it sounds like one there's nothing of me in there I have thousands of pages of content out there that they could have commented on or started a conversation or tried to make some connection or found some commonality between us any of those normal human interaction things and they chose not to do that. And the chances of getting a response to an email like this is hugely low. So I recommend not doing that. <laughs> Reading you is sort of like me watching Fox News. Oh my God, what a terrible thing to say. I'm not even American. And I know what an insulting and terrible thing that is to say. I like to see what the other side is thinking. Okay, so you're not a fan of Fox News. You just want to see what the crazy people think. (laughs) I'm with you now. I do have a question. At 66, not fat, full head of hair, considered good looking for my age, I'm having a difficult time finding an attractive woman. I am either a creepy old guy or a sweet old grandpa. (laughs) I am neither. Kinky women, even 10 years younger, seem to have vanished. It looks like I'm going to have to settle for vanilla. Any suggestions? Gosh, you, you, you people in my Ask Me's are just begging for me to pimp my books, aren't you? I have a book, <laughs> another book, in my How to Femdom series called How to Find a Dominant Woman. Now, this podcast is not all about pimping my books, but the reason I bring it up is because A, these questions are very, very common. That is, you're not alone in finding it difficult. So whether you are 66 and people think you're a sweet old grandpa or you're 24 and people think you're too young to know what you want or somewhere in between, it doesn't matter. It's hard to find a compatible partner. And that's just how it is. The pool is smaller with um, DS, it just is than it is in the vanilla world where you might meet someone you like in the supermarket. That's very unlikely to happen if you actually want BDSM. 
So the pool is just small. Um, I started with a one there and I can't, I can't remember what it was. I've had half a glass of champagne. This is what I'm like in real life, people. Make no mistake. I'll start a sentence, I'll start a conversation, and then halfway through I forget what I was saying. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yes, I was saying it's not just about me pimping my books, though my books are awesome and useful and you should go get it. So if you want some in-depth advice, go and have a look at my how-to books on Amazon and you will find... Um, how to find a dominant woman and it's got lots and lots of very detailed actionable useful information for you but podcast wise you may have to settle for vanilla I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that might not be the case and I think I think that that's not some sort of death sentence I mean having love in a vanilla relationship is a lovely thing the suggestions I have for you are dependent on what you've already tried I do not know have no idea what you've already tried so you could go on to vanilla dating sites and signal your submission you could go on to um, BDSM dating sites and see if you can find someone there you can go out to your local community make some friends they might know people who know people who know other people i.e networking um, and I think they're probably the three most promising options but I think a big part is figure out exactly what you want so recently I've been dating um, in the vanilla world because I think I can get a large percentage of what I want from a vanilla man who is a pleaser because they have a lot of characteristics and behaviors that speak to me as a dominant woman it's not my preference but I still think I could get something out of it if I found a man who had all the normal vanilla qualities that are awesome and that that fire me up so yeah figure out what you want and then figure out how much of that you might be able to get in the vanilla world but the other options still stand good luck with it An unpressing inquiry from your number one vanilla fan, kink envious tofu lover and miffed choco virgin. <laughs> See, I vaguely remember talking about chocos at some point. They're horrible, by the way. So I'm not sure where this has come from. If you were designing an ice cream flavor called kink, how would you feel about a chocolate ice cream dipped in chili flakes and a big red cherry on top? Probably stick it in a waffle cone. I mean, to eat, would it work for you? Cheers from Boring Brie, proudest of tofu lovers. <laughs> I would want, I, I'm happy with chocolate ice cream dipped in chili flakes, yes. I think chili chocolate ice cream is big yum. Not, not keen on the cherry. I would be tempted actually to go for vanilla ice cream with chili flakes and then dipped in real chocolate you know that thing mm -mm -mm. I would actually have see now now I'm thinking about this for two seconds I would have a range of kink flavors you know because some are sweet some are hot some are scary some are just for fun so yeah I think you need a whole range that's my advice but if you made that ice cream for me I would totally have it thank you very much The next one is a link to a YouTube video. Dare I click it? Shall I click it? I'm going to click it. It's, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Oh. Okay. It's actually a video I've seen before. And it is lovely. It's a... Someone did a, a Sydney Harbourside walk. A really long one. And then made a video of it and did it in fast motion. And it's five and a half minutes long and it is super lovely and I will link it because I don't know why somebody sent it to me, but I agree. It is a great video and it's beautiful. Thank you. 
Hey fans, sorry if you've covered this already, but if you're pegging someone, what would your expectations around their anal presentation be? Oh, that's a good question actually. Bar having a good suds around the area, maybe even some light cologne. <laughs> and then he's got a tongue sticky out emoji. Would you expect someone to have an enema or fast before? Or if looking at places off the edge of the map, are you content to say, there'll be dragons? <laughs> All the best, Gary. <laughs> well, Gary, let me tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a little secret. You have to come closer. <laughs> of... And I, I am not a pegging expert by any means, but I've been around long enough to hear pegging horror, horror stories. And let me tell you this, the most horror stories have come from people who have heard that they should have an enema. So they have an enema without really knowing how their body responds to enemas. So they do all that. And then what has happened that has been the worst thing for most people that I know of who've had unpleasant experiences with pegging and poo is that shit water essentially starts... Did you hear that noise? <laughs> starts kind of leaking out because they didn't realise that their bodies took time to get rid of all that liquid and didn't realise that the the act act of pegging would force it out so um from what i have heard and i have not experienced this myself doing an enema when you don't know how your body responds to it is possibly going to result in that mess that you're trying to avoid so there's that for me personally i have never required an enema for me no or fasting or or anything particularly special I do think um, being hairless is just easier because if you have a lot of hair around your butthole then it can just get trapped and pulled and get in the way um, I think cleaning around and maybe a finger or two inside and knowing your body well enough to know if you are or are not having to poo or if you're not you've not been regular lately or there's some issue with your bowels that would make it a little bit more risky to be able to say oh not today I don't think so but most people who have um, a healthy gut it's going to be pretty clean and in the past, what I have done is always use a condom on toys so that if there is any mess, and it's never like splurting everywhere mess, it might be, that's the enema problem. If you do the enemas wrong, they're splurting everywhere. <laughs> um, if you use a condom on toys and there is any um, shit in the, in the way of that toy, the worst that will happen is you get a little bit of a smear or whatever on the, the condom you take the toy out, you take the, the condom off, it's inside out, you're done, right, with the, the messy bit. So I'm not, I'm not too scared about it and I don't, can, don't need anyone to do anything hugely complicated. But I think that the biggest part there is knowing your own body. And I think a lot of people who are into pegging or interested in pegging have done some kind of anal play before, whether by themselves or with a partner. So you get to know, I think, what your body is like so you can feel when it might not be a good idea and you kind of know when you think you're pretty clean and if you just wash stick a few fingers up there to see or see what's going on then i think you're pretty cool darby dragons <laughs> that was a great turn of phrase thank you for it i don't know what this is I'm going to read it out anyway because you, you guys should know and suffer with me <laughs> the weirdness of what I get. This is a little poem. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya, I'd rather be me, love you. 
and then it's got a link to something that I'm not going to link to because I don't know what's going on there. So there you go. You're welcome, listeners. I just discovered your website and it cheered me up so much. I want to give you a hug. (laughs) Oh, that's so lovely. I will take hugs. I'm a submissive man in my early 30s. I haven't been in a relationship or had any kind of intimacy for almost 10 years. I recently started seeing a therapist for social anxiety disorder. My anxiety is particularly intense on dates and I think part of it may be related to my insecurity about my submissiveness. I'm worried that doms are rarer than winning lottery tickets and I'll never find one and it just makes me feel extremely undesirable most of the time. Should I tell my therapist about my kink? Her website says she's LGBTQ friendly. I know that's a whole other animal, but would it make it more likely that she's kink friendly too? Looking forward to reading your book. Thank you for all you do. Warmest regards, Mr. Stuck. Well, Mr. Stuck, I congratulate you on um, being in therapy for your anxiety. I, I can imagine that it is very difficult on dates and especially if you're not feeling so great about who you are i would 100 percent tell her about your kink and maybe actually start with saying look i want to i want to talk a little bit about bdsm are you knowledgeable or what's your experience so that you can get a feel and if she says look i don't have a lot of experience with that but i'm open to it then go ahead. If she gives you some sort of bad vibe, then maybe you can ask her for a referral. But I, I do think, given what you said, that it is important to bring that into your therapy. Because if you deal with all the other stuff, but you're not hitting at what you think might be the crux of how you're feeling, then no matter how much help you get with everything else, I'm not sure you're going to be able to get I guess the validation or the exercises to help you get to that point where you're okay with it. And I think that's really important. As a note, there um, is a directory of kink-aware professionals on the internet. If you look up kink-aware professionals, you will find it. I will add it as a link into the transcript for this podcast. And, I mean, you could have a look even to see if she's on it. I think I think maybe it's worth either looking to see if there are any in your area, just for your own information, and see if maybe they're on it. Because if they're on it, then, you know, you can feel confident that you're okay to talk about it. I do think it's important to talk about it, though. I wish you all the very best of luck. Also, oh, aside... You might, if you're not already on fatlife.com, I suggest you join. Because one of the values of it, I mean, it has its pluses and minuses, but one of the big values of it is to find a huge community of people who are just like you. And a lot of them have dealt with this also. So I run a group that is now 100,000 strong for um, submissive men and the women who love them. And I suggest you get on there and just have a read around for people who have the same struggles or who have come out the other side of those struggles, those who are happy to see how people um, have found their relationships or have found some level of comfort with themselves despite society, you know, pressuring them to say that this is not what a real man is or whatever they've internalised about who they are. So I think there's huge value in that and you should do that. And if you want to friend me over there or follow me, I am Ferns over there. So please feel free to do that. What do you enjoy about being the one to start a fire? (laughs) Oh, this is so funny. Um, It sounds like it's weirdly out of context, but despite my terrible memory, I do remember what this is related to. I think in my last podcast I talked about my vanilla ex and how he has been with me throughout our relationship and even after we separated. And one of the things was we went on a little um, trip away and even though he loves starting fires when you've got a fireplace somewhere, he let me start the fire (laughs) because he knows that I enjoy it also. Um, What do I like about it? 
I think I think it it is very satisfying to be able to create this roaring dangerous thing out of nothing. And also, you know, there's a, there's little tricks to it and I'm pretty good at it, I have to say. So, I feel very competent. I feel very competent and then when it starts, you you feel all pleased with yourself and then when it really blazes, you kind of are the creator of this fire. That sounds a bit ridiculous, but it's still true. I created this. That's my baby. <laughs> I know there's Google, but I followed your blog. <laughs> there's a typo. <laughs> there's a typo and they've written Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is twat a thing? For Americans, I know a lot of my audience is American. I know that the British will absolutely understand twat. <laughs> anyway, they followed my blog and twatter for a while. And you seem to be the font of all knowledge. Oh, I think you're making a bit of a mistake there, but okay. I've been pretty submissive all my life. Do you have any resources for men who now find roles reversed, severely reversed? Oh, I'm a bit confused by that. So you've been submissive all your life, but now someone wants you to be dominant or you're with someone who wants you to be dominant? No. I do not. I'm sure there must be resources out there, but that's not relevant to my interests. <laughs> so I am not actually aware of any resources for men who want to be dominant. My advice to you would be, no, 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 don't do that. It's a bad idea. We love submissive men and I would be remiss to point you to resources to change that. Perhaps I've misunderstood. But that's my answer. No, I do not. I'm sorry about that. Severely reversed. I'm so curious, anonymous person. If you would like to get back to my Ask Me page and expand a little more on what's going on, I would appreciate it. I'm not sure I can help you. I'm going to be perfectly honest here. I'm not sure I can help you still, but I'm just curious now. What's going on? <laughs> hey, have you ever made or ate lamingtons, JB? <laughs> I have. For those who don't know what lamingtons are, they're an Australian cake. It's very strange, actually. My, the answer for a start is yes, I have made them. It, I did um, home economics at school, and one of the things there was cooking, because girls, of course, and we made lamingtons one time. I never made them for leisure as an adult. And I have eaten them. I, I would not go out of my way to buy them. The only time I would buy them is if it was some um, community store where they're raising money for something. Because if you ever go to a community store where, where there's some sort of bake sale type thing, there's always lamingtons <laughs> because they're a staple. For those not in the know, a lamington is a sponge cake that has been cut into cubes, and they're big cubes, so I guess fist size around there, maybe a bit smaller. I've got a pretty big fist now that I'm making a fist, a small person's fist size. And the sponge, it's vanilla, just normal vanilla sponge. The sponge gets dipped in a sort of a runny chocolate, so you coat it in that runny sort of chocolate. It's not proper chocolate, like it doesn't harden or anything. It's like a flavoured liquidy thing, cocoa thing. Very dark. And then you dip it into shredded coconut. And that's a lamington. And sometimes you get cream in them. Sometimes you get jam in them. Sometimes you get both jam and cream. But traditional lamingtons are just that block of cake <laughs> with chocolate and coconut doesn't sound that great but they're pretty um from Orson is it weird to fall in love with someone you never met no I don't think it's weird not in this day and age is it me have you fallen in love with me I'm very lovable um I, <laughs> I think um 
in this day and age, it's pretty common, actually, and I don't think it's that weird. I do think that with social media, we have not yet come to the point where our brains can effectively separate out emotions that we feel online from what we might feel in real life. And by that I mean, and I've been saying this for a lot of years, and I don't think we've changed much. I think we will change. I think this will come. But I think we're still at an age where if you are have the kind of emotional life um, that is very cerebral and very emotion-driven, then it's actually, I think, very easy to fall in love online with someone you've never met. And you may have, you know, also phone calls and video calls and all that sort of business. But there is still a very big gap between that and actually in person being in the same space with someone and spending real time with them. And I know people, I don't want to devalue what people feel. People's feelings are real and people who fall in love and who feel things uh, regardless of what it is. I mean, we get hurt by things people say online and that's real hurt, right? So it's not such a leap to say that we could fall in love with someone online. I think the the difficulty is that we haven't yet, I don't want to say evolved, but it seems like evolved almost. We haven't yet evolved to the point where we are able to make judgments between our inner emotional lives and our external reality. And what that means is that someone may be all in with someone online and when you meet it just doesn't gel. And that happens a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It's happened to me. It's happened to friends I know. It's happened to almost everybody who's been in a situation where they felt a connection with someone and then moved it to real life. I actually think that there are some people who will spend, you know, 10 years in online relationships and never meet someone. And if that makes them happy, that's, you know, that, that's cool. So yes, I think it's possible. I think if you, you're wanting to move that into real life, there are some very real emotional risks there because they're not the same thing. But weird? No, I don't think it's weird. I am known as Methan. I've been performing self-bondage for many years, 10 of them as a performing artist and one year as a proud slave for my first and only mistress. Since I had served my former mistress and regretting that we had to split up for the better of both our normal jobs and due to her schedules, it has been a long nine years since I have served. I feel that I'm too advanced for the people I meet. I'm asked frequently how am I not owned when people I meet see the sincerity I have for the MS master slash slave realm. Since I've gotten into some entry-level studio production classes in Rochester, I have made a few of my self-bondage videos on YouTube, Lord Methan or Rochester Kinbaku. I would love to make a short movie on how I took depression, snowballed into BDSM, found happiness for the first time as a pet slave, and also point out how tying myself up turned into a performance art at the Rochester Erotic Art Festival for 11 years in March slash April 2020. I had not read or seen Fifty Shades of Grey. I hear it gives a bad reputation to the true perspective of MS. I... There's no question here. <laughs> I don't know what your question is. Um, I... Okay. I don't know. I don't know what you're asking of me. Or maybe you just want to tell me that. Okay, well, good for you. You, you make that short movie. I hope it goes well. Ooh, an audio-based question. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. I'm just going to play it and see what happens, see if my microphone will pick it up, right? I'm going to turn my microphone round and see. I hope, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> if it's really terrible, I can cut it, right? Sharon friends, I would like to know if you 
would ever do an audio collaboration with somebody who enjoys the sensuous nature of audio, let me know if you would. Did you catch that? <laughs> oh, how interesting. Well, as it happens, as it just happens, I am. <clears throat> I wrote on my blog recently about um, <laughs> about a boy I just met with whom I have negotiated um, using him as a stunt cock. <laughs> I have a um, toy review to do, a toy that requires a cock, and I do not have one. Well, I have several, but I don't have one that has nerves in it, which is what this toy requires. And as part of our negotiation, I asked if he would mind if we recorded it. So, in theory then, the answer is, yes, I would consider an audio collaboration. On the other side, I don't know you, whoever you are, mystery audio person. You do have a good voice, though your quality of recording was terrible. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me, the expert all of a sudden. Um, I don't know that I'd be very good at collaboration where it wasn't like this thing that I'm, I talked to um, this submissive, lovely submissive boy about. Um, maybe it will work, maybe it won't. You'll hear it if it does work. But it's essentially me doing a thing and him reacting and me recording that, right? I don't know that an audio collaboration with someone who wasn't here with me doing things would work. It kind of sounds like it would be a bit... Uh, I want to say... I, don't, I, I do want to say cheesy. I want to say cheesy because it has to be acted, doesn't it, in some sense. So I'm not sure that that would work. But look, if you, mystery voice person, want to tell me what you had in mind, you send me another note and let me know. I'm curious enough, anyway, to hear your idea. And also, I did like that you did the, vo the voice question. That was fun, thank you. All right, a question is in relation to your punishment post, which is, and I'm not gonna read out the whole um, URL, but it's a post on my blog about punishment, which I really loved but got me to thinking. I'm going to look up that, <laughs> that post and give you the highlights of what it said. Oh, okay. So I've written a few, um, a few posts about punishment and people uh, get quite polarised, I think, about punishment. So when I have a submissive, I tend to have a punishment dynamic. Now that might change in future if it wouldn't work for us, but the way I deal with transgressions or disobedience is you talk about it, you sort out what the issue is, you come up with a strategy to avoid it happening again, so you do all that, and then I punish him. My punishments are not um, corporal punishments because corporal punishments require play and attention and there's no way to spin them that isn't playtime. And I, I'm not speaking for other people. I know other people use them successfully, but it doesn't work for me because when something has gone wrong in our dynamic, I don't feel like expending that energy on him and giving him that attention and, you know, smacking his ass, which for me is sexy hot fun. If what happens when someone when my submissive doesn't do what I want is that there's a little crack that appears in our DS dynamic and while we do all the talk to sort out what we are going to do about that and agree how we're going to deal with it a punishment is a concrete consequence of that transgression and the reason I use punishments is because they are a concrete consequence they reinforce the dynamic. So when that little crack appears, we feel as if something's a little bit, not broken is too strong a word, 
but a little bit damaged in the dynamic. He didn't do what I asked. I feel bad about that and he feels bad about that. So punishment is a chance to say, look, we're going to exercise our dynamic in this particular way to repair that little crack. And punishments, the third one, is that punishments act as a penance. So when I have a submissive because I choose a particular type of man, if he doesn't live up to my expectations, he feels bad. And even after we've discussed it and we've arranged um, for a strategy to make sure it doesn't happen again and we've, all, we've agreed that we're good, he will tick, tick, tick in his head about that badness, about that failure forever. And I found that having an actual punishment as a penance gives us a very firm way to close off that whole affair. So my punishments, generally, I try and make them fit the transgression. And the one I, I talk about because it's so easy to explain is um, one time when my submissive did not put the toilet seat down and I made him go in there and put the toilet seat up and back down 50 times while counting out loud, loud enough for me to hear him in the living room. So he just went into the toilet, he had to kneel by the toilet, he had to lift it up and put it down 50 times. And then we're done, like really done. So then we've done all that little fixing and then we get cuddles and everything's all right again and we are fine. So that's what that post is about and I will link it in my transcript. But let's move on with this question. What if the dom, for example, you, Ferns, <gasps> is the one to make a mistake, to do something that violates the trust or agreement in the relationship? Is there anything comparable the sub can do in that case in order to get the relationship back on an even keel? Or does he just have to swallow up the bad feelings, possible feelings of betrayal or whatever they may be and try to push them out of his mind because, well, he's the sub? How could a sub go about getting things back on keel in that kind of situation? P.S. <laughs> I can't believe I got the sum wrong. I answered that 2 minus 1 equals 3. <laughs> I have a little um, a little sum on my Ask Me page to stop spammers. <laughs> Doll, thanks for not wiping out the entire post as a well a punishment. <laughs> no, there's look, there's nothing comparable that the sub can do in that case. If I do something wrong, I will own it, and I will apologise, and I will do whatever I have to do to fix it. But there's no there's no comparable action for the dynamic that we do to make to do those things like there's no penance there's no um, closure and honestly if I'm beating myself up about something which I will I just have to deal with it so no there's no comparable activities to do I guess from the sub side I think that but that's very different from sucking it up or push them out of the mind you have to deal with it. So you deal with it first. And if you haven't dealt with it, then you deal with it some more. So there should be no concept of sucking it up or pushing it down or feeling angry about it going forward. You have to sort it all out. But there's no such thing as a punishment for a dominant in my relationships, no. I mean, some people might do it, which is why I said for me, but I don't think it's common. I have been reading your posts about collar space and you're asking if there are any other free site that has live bodies on it and is for real. I am waiting for approval on collar space and it takes more than three weeks, 10 days now. I will let you know. I wonder if alt.com paid the collar space domain owners for the privilege of taking over the site and if so, how much? Thank you for your service to the community. I have a... Um, post from last year on my blog I think it was May last year actually where I sounded the alarm bells on collar space because they were doing some things that were signaling the end of it and they have been on the downhill slide for quite a few years now and their practice has been just to cut off functionality without warning anybody or telling anybody 
And my take is that at some point they're just go- you're just going to go to that site and it'll be gone. The reason I, I put that warning up was because there were some things happening that seemed to be escalating that issue. And those things have been fluctuating f- from super really, really bad to, oh, it's not so bad now. So that site is definitely on the way out and it has been bought by alt.com. And there was a period there where you couldn't even sign in as a new sign up as a new person. The sign up page actually redirected you to alt.com. They've since stopped doing that. So I don't I don't know why they're doing it the way they're doing it. You'd think they'd just send an email to all of their all of the members and just say, look, we're gonna shut it down in six months, move over to alt.com or get lost. But they're not doing that. What they're doing is essentially making the site unusable because they have no staff, they're not spending any money on it, they're implementing little things that make everyone's experience worse. I have not yet found a site with bodies on it (laughs) that is comparable and that works. I know quite a few people are attempting to set up um, alternative sites, but none of them actually are working in a way that I can I feel that I can in good faith recommend them and the issue with those sites is even if they're really good it takes however long it takes to get a customer base or a member base where it makes joining worthwhile so of course everybody has to join to get to that point but of the sites that are out there now they all have some pretty serious flaws and no people probably because they have some pretty serious serious flaws so yeah i'm still waiting to see a bdsm dating site that actually works if you have one that actually works and seriously i mean seriously it has people on it i think because i'm in australia my judgment of having people on it is kind of the outlier because there has to be probably a hundred thousand people on it before there are any australians um but if you know of a site that is actually functioning and has a decent number of members on it already or is doing a lot of publicity and marketing to get those numbers then please let me know but it has to work some of these sites that are being set up just don't work very well and that's an issue i think that some people are setting them up very quickly to get people on board and haven't quite thought out the functionality Next one, I'm not really a dom, but have kind of developed a relation with a friend in which we play the dom sub roles. I really like it. He goes through cycles where he ghosts me. I want to know how a real dom would deal with this. (laughs) I'm assuming you're, you're online. I have to assume that. So how would a real dom, assuming that's me, deal with this? I'd go, nah, see ya. It's disrespectful and I'm not putting up with it. It's not okay. So, yeah, that's the answer. So you don't you don't say a lot about this, but let me put it another way because I'm I'm I guess the the queen of I'm not putting up with that shit. But if you are getting something valuable out of this, the other option is just to completely reset your expectations and say, "Okay, well, well, if he turns up at some stage, we have some fun. I'm not going to give him another second thought. But the fact that you have asked this question of me means that you are not able to do that right now. The fact that you've asked this question means that it bothers you. And that is completely understandable. So you really have to weigh up whether what you're getting out of it is worth this disrespectful behavior. And it is disrespectful. I will add this. If you haven't said to him, this is disrespectful behavior and I'm not putting up with it, I suggest you do that. So give him a chance to improve. But if he goes, I don't see why it's a big deal, then he's quite happy treating you as someone who he presumably contacts when he gets horny. You're a booty call, a DS booty call. (laughs) And that's okay if a booty call is what you want. But if it's a booty call one way only, for example, if you're horny and want to play and he doesn't respond to your messages, but when he's horny and wants to play, you respond to his messages, that is not a two-way booty call. That is a one-way booty call. So, yeah, from a real dom to a new dom, 
dumped that motherfucker already. Oh my goodness, I don't know what is going on. This is the same person that did the last little thing that was weird. And I'm going to read it to you because if I got it, you're getting it. More than you know, from head to toe, body and soul, I love you. Follow me to seventh heaven. Why? I'm an NDE. I'd love to be your servant for eternity's length and breadth to write zillions and zillions of novelties. See upstairs, Miss Gorgeous. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Help me! (laughs) The next ask me is completely blank. (laughs) Ah... I think you are great, smiley face. Love, Tip Tease. <laughs> tip Tease is a regular commenter on my blog, and thank you so much for that. That is lovely. Oh, this is a Colorspace comment. My Colorspace profile has been unusable since November 2018. Four times it has been approved, but I'm unable to send messages. When I try, it sends me to my profile, which I've edited down to hello. The last fake approval was in May and it's still not really approved. I tried to create a second profile and I get a profile has been posted message but my profile is not found in a search and if I look at my personal details they are all blank. So new profile does not save the details and a 10 year old profile will not be approved for over 11 months after making a change. So yeah, if you good people are on color space and you have some promising people that you're talking to or you've made some friends or you've got some potentials get their off-site details and um when you send a message on there check your sent box because what you type in is not what is getting sent and it doesn't like um, email addresses for one so you have to make it a bit tricky so when you send a message check in your sent box as to what was actually sent tedious and shame hello i just got my first sub online sub everything was going smoothly but i noticed some weird things like avoiding questions or the way he responded i recently sent him a shopping list from amazon and requested a screenshot of the things he picked only two he felt uncomfortable since his personal information was involved I made sure to clarify I didn't want to see his personal information, calmed him down and asked again properly at around 11pm. He didn't respond, ghosted me for more than 24 hours and when he responded said that he'd had a busy day, had to drive all day. Since it's my first sub, should I cut ties with him or forgive him? There's a few things going on there. Firstly... Did you agree with him that he was going to buy you things? Is that a negotiated, agreed part of your contract? Second thing, is it true that if he buys something from your Amazon wish list, you get his details? I'm not, I don't know if that's true or not. But my question to you is, is that true? Because if that's true, and I assume you've not shared your personal details mutually, well, obviously you haven't. I think it's fair of him to say, I don't want to share my personal details with you. I'm not comfortable with that. And Amazon, if I buy you something off Amazon, they show you that. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm pretty sure I've looked at this at one stage or asked about it. But I can't remember the answer because I don't use that service. So I don't know if it's true or not. So you ask if you should cut ties with him. My, my overall suggestion is negotiate with him very clearly what is in and out of scope. Because if buying things from your wish list was not in scope, you asking for that may not have been something that he was expecting. And what happens is if you ask people who have not agreed to buy you things to buy you things, they go, hold on. Does she only like me because I'm going to buy, she thinks I'm going to buy her things? And it freaks them out, makes them feel bad. So negotiate exactly what your relationship is. If he agrees to certain things, 
then he has to feel safe and he has a right to feel safe. So if Amazon wish lists don't make him feel safe, then that's not a thing, right? Maybe gift cards. I don't know. Some sort of gift card would be a more anonymous thing if he wants to buy you something. So probably a bit of research into whether you're compromising his personal details by asking for something like this is uh, worthwhile. Second thing is you said he ghosted you for twenty for more than 24 hours. And I assume from that that you are in contact all the time, that this is so unusual, because 24 hours is not a long time. So as well as negotiating the scope of your agreement and the boundaries, this part is fits well into that. So negotiate what you expect in terms of um, communication. So then there's no question about whether each of you are meeting your parts of the agreed relationship so if he says if I'm going if you agree not if he says if you two agree that if he's going to be out of touch for more than 12 hours or whatever I don't know what you want to agree but whatever you agree if he's going to be out of touch for more than 12 hours he must message you before that or at some stage to say look I'm driving, I'm doing whatever, I'm not going to be contactable for this long. So what seems clear to me is that you haven't done any of that or done enough of that. So that's where you start. I think it's not a question of should I cut ties with him or forgive him. It's what went wrong here and how do we fix it? So I suspect... What went wrong was you didn't negotiate properly the boundaries of your agreement and you need to do that. And then see where you are. I hope it goes well for you, both. My girlfriend, oh, it's over an hour now. Look at us go. You still with me? You still awake? (laughs) My girlfriend was joking around, popping a belt at me and said she would put a collar on me. I instantly got upset, but I didn't react, mostly because I got angry. I would call being angry and upset a reaction, okay, which I don't commonly do. Also, because our time is limited together and I want to use our time wisely without conflict, I would never wear a collar and though I'm not in the BDSM lifestyle at this time, I do work toward educating myself. I have a dominant personality and would like to tap into it more. Any remark about me submitting quickly flips my switch, upsets me. Am I being overly sensitive to the joke? My intent is either, one, let it go because I didn't speak on it immediately and address it immediately, if it ever happens again. Or two, bring it up and let her know any remark related to me submitting annoys me. Such an interesting question to land on my blog. Why are you on my blog asking me this question? That's the part I don't understand. Um... I don't know why. I I do think you're overreacting, even if you're completely vanilla. I mean, people joke around all the time about, oh, we're going to give you a spanking. (laughs) You know, it's a joke. I guess it's possible she was feeling you out for interest and I guess she got a very clear um, response. I'm not sure that you hid that you were upset and angry particularly well because people react instinctively to things and I imagine she would have seen that so here's my thing I do think you're overreacting to what is ostensibly a joke so you have some issues around the idea of being submissive and that's cool you know if you've got those issues that's your issues and whatever but I don't think if she did it once bringing it up as a big deal is necessary or productive I think if she brings it up continually or, you know, thinks it's funny over and over and you don't think it's funny, then absolutely, yes, say something. Just say that it upsets you when she makes those jokes and can she please stop? I find it, I do find it very interesting that you came looking for somewhere to ask this question because it seems to me this is just normal relationship stuff. You know, your partner makes a joke that you don't like and you tell them to cut it out. It's not complicated. So you, I think you have some issues, issues around the idea of being submissive and she pressed a button. 
And you might want to explore that. I mean, maybe you just want to bury it deep and not think about it again, which is perfectly fine. But I think you have some unresolved shit going on there that you might want to have a look at. And now we've reached the end, dear listener. Thank you for sticking with me. So we're at just over an hour this time. If you want to ask me a question to include in my podcast, you can go to my blog where there is an Ask Me page. It is completely anonymous. I will not know who you are. You can say sweet things to me also. I like that. Um, I hope you have a good day and thank you for listening. Bye for now.